Hi, I'm Kenneth Height, author of the Knights Black Agents Vampire Spy Thriller RPG and co-author of the Dracula Dossier, a improvisational campaign for it kickstarting now. And you're listening to Aaron and Polly on Funny Books. have guessed from the bumper today we have got kenneth height with us hello kenneth welcome to the show hey Aaron, thanks for having me on absolutely and you know uh you know we were just talking a second ago about uh, day after ragnarok you know we did a contest back when day after ragnarok was first coming out uh here on the site uh i think it was even back before uh we were doing the podcast but uh uh we we were early adopters of of day after ragnarok and have been big fans of it ever since so yeah. i always get i always get excited when the when a new serpent scales comes out Yes, well, um, uh, I have uh, I have been sort of full time uh, vampiring, uh, so I haven't really had time to do a new serpent scales. I did the one for the Swedes a while back that we managed to repurpose into something so that people would just be <laughs> starving to death. But there's a couple more uh, sort of on the back back burner that um, I guess you know everyone out there should hope and pray that I. <laughs> that I lose all of my other clients so that I have to go back to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that that's kind of a nice problem to have, too many projects to work on, right? Yeah, no, there's there's only two settings. There's busy and bankrupt, and right. I, I know which one I like better. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we, we invited you, you, you here today to talk about your new Kickstarter project, uh, the Dracula Dossier. So yeah. tell us a little bit, little bit about that. Give us the elevator pitch. Okay, the elevator pitch is... Uh, that Bram Stoker's novel was not a novel. It was an after-action report for a failed British intelligence attempt in 1894 to recruit a vampire. Uh, and he wrote the after-action report, and British intelligence said, well, we, we're not going to, that's, that's, uh, that makes us look very bad. And so they, they cut out all the sources and methods, all the part that proved that it was a spy operation, and they told Stoker to go publish that as disinformation, the resulting novel. And so... They kept his first draft there in the in the archives of what eventually became MI6, and the operation to recruit Dracula, Operation Eden, continued down over the centuries. In 1940, they attempted to recruit Dracula to keep Romania out of World War II, or at least uh, against Hitler, and that worked about as well as you might expect. Um, so the, uh, the survivor of that SOE mission annotated Stoker's draft. Uh, in 1977, Project Edom ran a mole hunt because there was a, a drain of intel from MI6 to the Securitate in Romania, and they realized, oh, you know what, I'll bet that it was that Romanian count that could mind control people and make immortal servitors. That probably is where that came from. So they they uh, have a mole hunt and a mid-level analyst in 1977 does his own annotations of, of Stoker's draft, adds it to the file, and then puts a, a flag in the MI6 computer system so that if it looks like Project Edom, if Operation Edom gets up to more hijinks, it'll trigger and this document will appear for a new generation of analysts. And indeed, in 2011, 
it does appear, and it turns out that after 7-7, Edom has been tasked or freed to try and recruit Dracula to go after Al-Qaeda, to go after enemies of the crown. Broadly speaking, they think, well, he's a vampire, so he's the ultimately deniable black asset. Uh, Dracula hates the Turks. This is pretty much the same thing. So let's let's turn him loose on Al-Qaeda. And then the 2011 annotator also disappears. Your characters, who are the burned spies, former secret agents type guys in a standard Knights Black Agents campaign, get a hold of this document, the, the full-on Dracula dossier, which is what we're calling the Dracula Unredacted, which is the, the full version of Stoker's novel, plus all those annotations, three generations of MI6 operatives and analysts. So they have those that batch of clues, and then they follow those clues anywhere that they want. So they see something that looks interesting, and they say, I wonder what the current Lord Godalming is like. Or they say, I wonder what's on the site of Carfax. Or they want to go to Romania and, and poke around in Galatz, where Dracula had his agents distracting uh, Van Helsing and crew back in 1894. So wherever they want to go, based on the novel and based on the annotations, we have a clue already uh, pre-positioned there, so that it becomes an improvisational, collaborative campaign. And all those clues are gathered in something we call the director's handbook. So the Dracula dossier is both Dracula under unredacted and the director's handbook. It's a two-book set, and it uh, either one standing alone is, is going to be great fun. The director's handbook can be a big book of encounters, uh, all with multiple uh, meanings. You might run into a guy, and we have a write-up so that he might be an innocent, he might be an Edom asset, or he might be a minion of Dracula, and that's up to the GM to determine in play which is more fun, which is more interesting, which builds terror. And if you just have Dracula redacted, then you still have a great uh, spy novel based on, of course, Bram Stoker's classic uh, gothic uh, masterpiece. So, uh, yeah, Paul, you yes. know, w- w- <laughs> for 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 Ken's benefit, I, you know, I told Paul, you know, after I had heard about Dracula dossier and I told Paul about it, what was your response, Paul? What did you say when I told you about this? Was it that it sounded like a great idea? Yeah, it sounded like a great idea and that we needed to play this immediately. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we uh, I, I started reading the, the book and, you know, literally in that first page, there are so many great ideas and so many references to films and things like that that I love that it just seemed like something that was right up our alley. And I'm a huge horror guy. So, and I know it's not horror in the true, in the, in the horrific sense, but it's, it's the spy thriller with the horrific elements to it. And I just, I don't know. It's such a cool concept. It's, it's surprising to me that, you know, there, there aren't, uh, you know, there isn't a movie series like that out there. It it seems like a no brainer, great idea. And I'm, I'm really impressed that, uh, you know, with the way you and, and your team, put this thing together i i, I enjoy the hell out of I, I enjoyed the hell out of reading it we have not yet played it aaron has denied okay. me that that fun thus far <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, we, we've been looking at uh, knight's black agents and mm-hmm. uh, uh you know been getting pretty excited about that and, and particularly the kickstarter itself right yeah if you if you uh, back it uh, i should mention you get the basically the director's handbook as already written and we'll have the Dracula unredacted sort of raw text less the stretch goal stuff that we add to it probably by the end of the Kickstarter so you'll be able to download those with no art and no layout and looking like uh, <laughs> like like raw text basically sure. and you can start using that to play you can start getting you know inspiration or, or fun out of that uh, pretty much immediately and of course Knights Black Agents um, if uh, if you want to add up there's various levels you can 
uh, back, and then you get a PDF of Knights Black Agents, and if so, you don't have that, you can start playing Knights Black Agents even before you get the Dracula dossier. And that's got uh, all manner of possible uh, vampires. I mean, you say it's not horror. You can sort of move it to either end of the spectrum. So if you want to play a game that's more action-adventure-y with sort of a gothic vampire-y tone, you can do that. But I'm, you know, I'm here to tell you, you can make a session of Knights Black Agents really pretty horrifying if you uh, sort of... Uh, pull out some stops and uh, really work at it. So Knights Black Agents spun out of the gumshoe system, is that correct? Right, yeah. Knights Black Agents is yet another iteration of the gumshoe system, in this case, tuned to produce uh, spy thriller action, uh, because uh, thriller is just, as someone said, a mystery in which you already know who did it. So um, uh, you, you <laughs> rather than solving you know, the question of where are the missing diamonds, you're solving the question of where is that sniper who's trying to kill me? And Though that sort of uh, problem solving pulled down into the individual scene adds to the tension of the thriller, and that's what you know, Knights Black Agents pulls out. So Gumshoe sort of um, sped up or on fast forward, I guess you could call it. And you know, the I, I, Paul and I have actually played in, in a Gumshoe game uh, at a con. It was a, a Trail of Cthulhu game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, uh, you know, one of the things that that's really interesting about that, you know, in comparison to to say a, an original Call of Cthulhu type of game, is you know the the concept that it's not fun to fail your knowledge rolls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so how you know it, how does Knights Black Agents and then you know conversely uh, Dracula dossier kind of build on that? Well, basically, what Knights Black Agents does is because it's about the sort of characters from Ronin or Born Identity. You're assumed to be playing hyper-competent, badass characters, right? Jason right. Bourne versus Dracula, or uh, Batman versus Dracula, right? Right. And those characters are hyper-competent. So part of the what, they, what you might call the fantasy competence or the competence porn that is such a crucial part of 21st century spy thrillers that gets pulled into uh, the nice black age through the gumshoe system, but you can, you know, examine a, a, a table of organization. You can say, that's the critical guy. That's the guy we've got to go turn or break. Or you can say, um, we've, we've hacked into these uh, huge tranche of airline reservation records. We can, you know, cinematically break that down and immediately know which two landings are crucial for our, uh, for our purposes. That, that'll be the fingerprints of the conspiracy in, in, this, in this tranche of data. And all the, all the source material celebrates this kind of competent analysis. And that, of course, goes back, you know, to Mission Impossible, where you never saw, you know, Jim Phelps fail to uh, identify the guy's psychological crippling flaw or Barney <laughs> fail to get into the um, uh, ductwork. The, the, the tension was always, could they get it done in time? And that's the same sort of thing that you see now, just, you know, much faster with, um, uh, with, with the Bourne movies or with uh, uh, Taken or with Ronin. You've got guys who, as Liam Neeson says, have a particular set of skills and those <laughs> skills don't fail. So, you know, one thing that I've always found a little intimidating about the gumshoe system is uh, – you know, how all the clues have to be thought out in advance. And so, you know, the, the benefit of the Dracula dossier is that you're given the clues. Yeah, and, you and have a, a ocean of clues, really. So I heard you say that, you know, you can use the clues to, to kind of improvise the story, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sounds a little sandboxy. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, if you're familiar with uh, Robin Laws's terrific uh, campaign, The Armitage Files for Trail of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. this is something like that. This is like a response or the next uh, level of that. In, 
in which the player characters have, or the players also have, all of this information and get to decide where to look for the conspiracy. And because it's a, a, a spy thriller, wherever they look turns out to be where the conspiracy was. <laughs> um, because that's how, I mean, you don't have a, a scene in James Bond movies where Bond, you know, so, finds a matchbook on the killer and he goes to the nightclub and he has sex with a girl and he fights a dragon, a Komodo dragon. It turns out, no, the guy just liked to hang out at that nightclub because he liked the mojito <laughs> recipe. No, that nightclub <laughs> is always the next stage in the, in the, in the conspiracy. Right. And the same thing happens with the Dracula dossier. Wherever you start looking, that will ipso facto be where the Dracula's conspiracy or Project Edom, Operation Edom, have already been and are leaving tracks for you to follow further. And so you get to follow the the, the clues and the hints and the inconsistencies in Stoker's original novel in any direction that you want. And that way we get away with doing giving you a you know 300-page uh, handout because it's a 300-page handout that everyone has read or at least everyone has seen movies based on. So they sort of know, I'll bet, uh, Mina is up to something, or I'll bet Lucy Westenra didn't really die, or or whatever it is, and they start following those trails. And sure enough, you follow those trails, you run into horror because that's the kind of world that the Dracula dossier uh, inhabits. I, I I I can't wait to play this game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, you know, uh, Paul's not alone. I have uh, I mentioned it to a couple of my other friends. They're like, "Damn it, why aren't we playing that game right now?" <laughs> so I, I, I think you're scratching a whole lot of folks right where they itch. I see that the uh, Kickstarter, your goal was 10,000 uh, pounds because mm-hmm. uh, this that your Kickstarter is based out of the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and you all blew past that the first day. That is the that is the way a properly lane, lined up Kickstarter does it, in my <laughs> opinion, is you you set up a Kickstarter that gives you the just sort of the bare minimum what you need to produce the book. Uh, and then you add extra uh, stretch goals or extra meat and, and, and delight in to create a an atmosphere of, like you say, I have to play this, I have to find out what's next. And so, you know, watching the Kickstarter becomes its own little activity. It's like, what what more can Ken and Gareth add to Dracula? They've already added, you know, um, uh, Van Helsing's notebook, and they've already added uh, the Mysteries of Ireland, and they've added, you know, vampirizing Vladimir Putin. They've, add, uh, you know, they've added the Israeli uh, anti-vampire squad. What are they going to come up with next? And so, you know, that's the goal, is to bring out stretch goals that sort of emphasize the, the neatness, the coolness of the books, and then also emphasize the, the, the new possibilities in play that you can get if you, uh, if you keep backing and, and keep uh, spreading the good word. And that's, you know, I, I've seen a lot of really great stretch, uh, really great people do really great game products. And they say, well, if I cost out all of my costs and my salary and everything that I need to make sure that it's going to come out, I have to put $40,000 in. And that's a hard road to hope. People don't necessarily want to climb that first mountain sure. all by themselves. Sure. So I, I think that our, our way of doing it is, is sort of the one. It's First of all, it's way more fun to run that way. And second <laughs> of all, I think it, 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 you know, it's, it sort of rewards people for buying in, which is sort of the whole point of a Kickstarter, right? Sure. So uh... – you know, I, I'm I'm looking at all the different uh, stretch goals that you that you you know blown past. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got as we record tonight, uh, you've got 20 days left to go. Uh, you know, lots more stretch goals to go. Uh huh. Um, I think I think we may be just about half through our initial list of possible stretch goals, but I'm not sure because. Uh, the you know the enigmatic cat uh, adds and subtracts to them by her whim. So <laughs> for all I know, I'll I'll tune in tomorrow and there'll be one that I didn't know about, which is kind of fun. Um, but I think with uh, with with what we've got now, 
we are just about halfway through our possibilities. I mean, we've still got, for example, a James Semple soundtrack. Everyone wants to see one oh, of those. Oh, nice. Or hear one of those. So yeah, he does nice the theme to your that. podcast. Exactly. He does, he does yeah. the theme to Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Yeah, which, He's by done. the way, is my favorite podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Uh, any award-winning podcast. Any, and Golden Geek award-winning. Multiple Gold- award-winning podcasts. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We- um, and But he also does a really – he had, did a really great Nice Black Agents uh, theme uh, album which you can pick up on the site and I'm sure is a stretch goal or an add on somewhere, but it's, it, it's just really creepy. It's, it's like a great horror version of that sort of born, uh, era, uh, spy soundtrack. And, you know, most people go through their lives without any soundtracks and James Temple has now written me two of them. So I, I can't wait to see if he, he writes us another one, but we've got more stuff. I mean, in the, if, in the novel, if you remember Dracula's a necromancer, he went to, you know, a, a magic school in the Carpathians. So right. at some point we may have to tell you more about Dracula's magic powers. I'm going to need to know more about that. I think you may. And I feel, I feel convinced that there's a mystery to be solved at Euro Disney, that there's <laughs> some kind of insidious vampire thing going on there. So not impossible. Although <laughs> Um, I, I have to say, I don't think that we have Chris on the stretch goals yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, if, if people run us out, then who knows? Yeah, yeah. We may have to add Paris. I, so, you know, looking at world events, you know, and you know, we talk about the vampirism of, of, of Vladimir Putin. Uh, you know, what could I expect that, uh, you know, what, what should I expect Dracula's involvement is in, you know, the Chinese hacking of the U.S. Postal Service? Uh, the Chinese, uh, there is there, there is a stretch goal in there somewhere for the Chinese connection, um, <laughs> which is uh, thematically sound, uh, at least, because you have not only do you have uh, Dracula pages from Virgin's Diary, the great Guy Madden film where Dracula's Chinese, but you also have Dracula's Seven Golden Vampires, the, the classic Shaw Brothers Hammer films crossover. Uh, and so there is and, and we do have a major uh, you know, Chinese uh, intelligence and hacker presence in Europe now and in, you know, various parts of of, uh, of the world now. So, yeah, if, if there's secrets to be had, the Chinese probably know about them. And, and what do they think? Also, the, the triads turn out to be a really major uh, player in human trafficking into Eastern Europe. And so uh, it's people who uh, want jobs in the EU, they'll move them from China or from Southeast Asia into Europe. And so obviously, once you've got, you know, uh, container ships full of people pulling up at ill-disclosed Balkan port cities. There's a strong Dracula possibility there. So we uh, we have all manner of thoughts on the Chinese. <laughs> so what's the uh, what's the sweet spot on the on the Kickstarter? Where, where do you think uh, somebody gets their most bang for their buck? Well, I think or I'm the, sorry, their British pound. The, the, for their for their British for their pound sterling. Yes, I, I think that we've tried to build in a few levels depending on you know how uh, rich your blood is. I mean, if you just get in at the fifteen pound level, which is the, the absolute bottom, you get the PDFs and you get you know the access to the documents as we have them already. And the PDFs are of course, if you've got a tablet, that's all you're going to need to play. You're going to be able to do that forever. Uh, the physical books, if you're a, a, a touch and feely kind of guy, you can back that at 50 pounds and then you get the PDFs and you get the physical copies of sort of the, the production versions. And then if you're, uh, feeling, uh, you know, fe- feeling more Lord Godalming, uh, we can go up and we have a uh, special, uh, uh, leather bound editions. The, 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 sort of the special limited edition of unredacted is going to be identically 
uh, bound to the first edition of Dracula, the 1897 Constable edition with the yellow cover and the weird purple uh, uh, highlights. So that's uh, be a really special looking thing that you can have on your shelf. And I think that that is the what is that? That's like the two. Yeah, that's the 175 pound, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I suspect that we'll be offering the limited edition Dracula unredacted as an add-on if you don't feel like going all the way up to 175 pounds, but you still think that would make a nice thing for yourself. And then, you know, if you really want to make my heart sing, you'll pledge at the 4,000 pound level, and I'll have to fly to Romania and run this game for you. <laughs> Uh, and you see what what is what does four thousand pounds translate to? And that's in, a mere sixty four hundred dollars. Everyone, you've got that lying around in the couch, probably. It's a, it's in the ashtray of my car. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You take your ashtray money, you take your couch money, you take your jar with the uh, with the uh, with the uh, dryer quarters in it, and bang, you're halfway to Romania already. <laughs> and then you sell your car and your couch and your dryer. Right. You know, and you're set. You know, I'm not here to tell people how to live their life. If they think, <laughs> if they think that getting to play Knights Black Agents Dracula Dossier with me in Romania is worth it, that's just what they think, and I'm not going to criticize that choice. But it it does seem like it's um uh, uh, it, it, it it it'll it'll be quite a commitment I think if you do that and I, I suspect only only single people or very understanding married people will will, will buy that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we do want I do want to clarify something for our listeners because I've seen other Kickstarters that don't make it so clear that even though this is a UK based Kickstarter, um, you know the packages. Uh, for most of the lower levels are entirely digital and right. uh, once you get to the physical package it does say ships anywhere in the world yes yeah. so. and the physical and the physical shipping Pelgrain has two shipping locations they have as Devium in Britain and they have I think it's still as Devium it's somewhere in Britain some magical land in Britain Hogwarts <laughs> and in America they ship out of the IPR warehouse in Nevada so uh, you're you're not going to risk uh, if you're still if you're still in Australia there is no solution yet uh, <laughs> except to to put it on a container ship and hope but anywhere in in Britain in Europe in North America getting it should be relatively problem free i'm not sure about canada actually so if you're listening in canada um find out some ask a website and make someone who knows more answer but i I think that north america europe and uh, the uk are covered pretty strongly so uh moving away from uh, the dracula dossier for a moment uh amongst your many many role-playing game credits you were involved in the development of the star trek role-playing game for i think originally last unicorn then over Mm -hmm. to decipher is that correct yeah i did two star trek role-playing games back to back so and you know having listened to uh ken and robin enough i know that you've got an affinity for uh star trek role-playing games and that kind of story so you know uh we're getting ready to embark on a star trek role-playing game and i was curious as to what advice you might have for the gm uh for the gm a lot of it depends on what part of trek you're trying to emulate or you're trying to model right Mm -hmm. because Star Trek is not a, a unified universe. It feels like it's a unified universe. Paramount would like you to believe it's a unified universe, but it really isn't. And the storytelling are so different between, say, Deep Space Nine, which is almost more uh, soap operatic in, in level. There's so many different threads, so many possible things that can happen one way or the other. It can happen down on Bajor, can happen off in the Dominion War, can happen on the station, that you, you're, you're playing a much broader ensemble type of adventure. 
But if you're playing original series, it's you guys on a Constitution class, and you're out there beating people up with the double-fisted punch, and you're kissing green Orion girls, and you're fighting with um, uh, Klingon, and it's a much more straightforward, episodic, everyone's in this together, going the same direction sort of a game. So if you... I think the the main thing for the GM is just to control assumption clash and make sure that everyone is playing the same Star Trek in their head. Right. We're playing a uh, a, a game set post uh, original series movies, mm-hmm. but yeah, in, in our conversations, we're kind of looking for that that Deep Space Nine feel in the uh, in the setting, you know, where there, there's you know conflict between uh, players, that kind of thing. Yeah, and then then that's going to be a different kind of a game, and you're going to want to make sure. And if you're playing that kind of ensemble style play, that every character gets a spotlight, that every every not just in the session necessarily, but certainly over the course of, say, three sessions, make sure that everyone's at an alpha, an, an alpha moment, a, a part where their story is central and the other characters have to react, because what you don't want to do is assume that, you know. Captain Sisko is the center of, of, of that story because he's not, right? right? He's a center of that story, but you know the story could just as uh, valuably be told from Odo's perspective or from Kira's perspective or from you know freaking Quark's perspective. And all of those stories are valid ways of reading the Deep Space Nine experience, whereas if you're talking original series, it's Kirk's perspective. That's the only one that matters. Spock and McCoy exist as his uh, id and superego, but in all other respects have no uh have, have don't drive the story and so if you're building that that sort of soap operatic thing you want to make sure that everyone gets a gets a moment and their characters will provide you the sort of components of that so if one of your characters is like a klingon who has uh, rejected his warlike people then you're going to have some more klingon centric stuff or if another one of your characters is from rigel you're going to have some orions show up and that just all going to be driven by the individual characters are, and you're going to want to use elements of those settings to point up whatever their dramatic uh, poles or their dramatic concerns are. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate the feedback. No problem. <laughs> so uh, I, I know your, your your life is all wrapped up in uh, in you know Dracula dossier right now. Yeah. But uh, you know what, what's after Dracula dossier? What's your next project, or can you even talk about your next project? Um, it depends. Uh, I think Simon is trying to decide right now what my next project is going to be, and there is a possibility that if he decides that I can't talk about it. Aha. If he decides the other way, it'll probably be another Trail of Cthulhu setting uh, product. Mm-hmm. Um, very possibly Deathless China will will jump to the top of the queue because there hasn't been a China book for Call of Cthulhu ever. And China in the 30s is one of those horrible places that makes a great role-playing setting. Absolutely. Because there is, you know... There, there's no law and order, and, and hell has let out for breakfast, and it is just a, a miserable location. So it makes great role playing, and then there's a ton of of really vibrant, interesting sort of historical characters to to introduce and conspiracies. The Japanese, you know, building up and invading things, and it's it just a big dramatic backdrop uh, for uh, uh, for uh, role playing just in general. Um, so that's a that's one strong possibility. But you know, Simon may say, nope, we're going to have you write the. 13th age campaign that is a love story uh he, he asked me to pitch a 13th age campaign that would be something that no one has ever done before and i said no one's ever done a love story as the central dynamic <laughs> of, a, of a of a of an old hack and slash f20 style fantasy role-playing game i want to see that happen and so uh 
that's you know he may want that but the thing that i'm hoping cr- double cross fingers that he picks is the thing that i can't tell you about gotcha. but when you find out about it you will slap your head and say oh my god that is so awesome once we're done playing dracula dossier we have to play that now we have to, we have to play that now we have to kickstart yeah. that we have to bring him back on the damn show <laughs> to talk about it so you know dracula dossier is is such an itch that i need scratched Mm-hmm. Um, has there been any conversation or about, uh, you know, other media, you know, comic books, novels, that kind of thing for Dracula uh, Dossier? Right now, Pelgrain is a game publisher first, second, and third. It is possible that depending on how it winds up, we may try and release Dracula Unredacted as a standalone product mm-hmm. into the book trade as a thing where you buy it and you're reading Dracula, but there is a spy novel in it. Right. Um, maybe without the annotations, just because that would confuse and annoy, I think, the average punter uh, dropping in off the street. But, you know, again, going forward, the, the thing is, once you've got it done, then I think, obviously, you know, Simon would love it if the Beeb comes by his offices and say, this Dracula dossier you have, we would like it, please. Here's a dump truck full of money. <laughs> um, and, you know, similarly, if a computer game studio said the same thing, we'd be delighted, but we're not going to... We, we don't have the resources sure. or, in, in many cases, the skill set to sort of drive that. I mean, Simon could say, yeah, can write a novel, but then Simon doesn't get any words from me for three or four months, right. and Simon tends to get itchy if he doesn't get words from me. Sure. But, I mean, it, it does just seem like the kind of property that, that needs to be another media, you know, beyond beyond the, the role-playing game, which I'm, you know, I'm fully happy with the role-playing game, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, also other things. Well, from your lips to God's ears. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's see – Let's see everyone out there, you know, um, uh, come come break down Simon's door and demand to pile money up in his in, uh, in the brand new carpet in the Pilgrim offices. I, I would love that. That's that sounds great. So uh, anything else you want to pimp tonight, Ken? Um, I guess the thing that I could pimp uh, in the meantime, there's a thing that I do for Pilgrim called Ken writes about stuff. He does write uh, about stuff. I do write about stuff. Yeah. And if you subscribe to it, I think it's like 25 bucks for a year subscription or you can buy the individual issues individually for a little more than that. Um, you, uh, you get me writing about half of them are specific looks at mytho Cthulhu mythos monsters from a bunch of different angles so that if you put deep ones into your game, it's not going to be the same deep ones that everyone has put into their game since 1981, trying to add some of that Lovecraft and uncertainty back into the monsters, which by now have become very familiar to us in the same way that vampires and werewolves were back when Lovecraft had to invent whole new monsters so that he could write new terrifying chaotic horror. And then the other, uh, sometimes it's a specific look at a, at a rules mechanic. So we've got ones for mind control. We've got uh, rules mechanics for uh, voodoo, the magic system. I'll be doing for Goetia, the demon summoning magic system of uh, sort of medieval and uh, early modern Europe. That'll be coming out. And then some of them are just campaign frames, like we did the Moondust Men, which is 1970s UFO crash site investigation. And the School of Night, which is 1590s Elizabethan spies and poets and occultists. So you can just take your standard issue gumshoe book and that campaign frame, and you've got a whole new gumshoe game ready to be played. So that's uh, that's something that if you are if you are a fan of me and you think, gosh, I wonder what Ken is doing every month, uh, subscribe to Ken Writes About Stuff, and that will learn you up. Very good. Well, and the, the Kickstarters, as of uh, this recording, is 20 days. I think we're going to release this on Monday. So what is that, 17 days or so left? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, go over to kickstarter.com and search for Dracula Dossier, D-O-S-S-I-E-R, or Kenneth Height. And uh, any other search parameter they should hit there? I think Pelgrane is a good one. There you P-E-L-G-R-A-N-E. go. P-E-L-G-R-A-N-E. That will certainly find it. I, I'm not sure if I show up when you search for 
uh, Dracula dossier. Maybe oh, I do. Okay. Well, uh, again, Kenneth, uh, great having you on the show. Uh, love talking to you. I love what you do. Uh, you know, I, I tend to just kind of, you know, cyber stalk you across the internet looking for whatever Fantastic. project you're working on next. So uh, excellent. No, well, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm very much, uh, I'm very grateful for all that uh, you guys have done for day after Ragnarok back in the day. And, uh, your love for Dracula dossier now, it, it uh, makes me very happy, very gratified. It's why I'm doing this, uh, you know, instead of boring straight job work <laughs> to make people happy and let them play and have fun. Well, good deal. Well, come back and talk to us when you got your next thing. Absolutely, man. Thanks a bunch. Anytime. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.